everybody, welcome back to the Nothing Old Podcast. Sorry again for the gap in publishing. Uh, ben and I have been very busy. Uh, we've both been traveling, and it's been real difficult to get our, our schedules aligned so we can record, and I didn't want to uh, publish a rerun for you guys. We'd like to keep the shows fresh and new. So, sorry again about that, but uh, we're doing our best to get our schedules synced up along with our, our guests. But anyway, we know you're going to dig this episode. We have Angie Morelli. Angie's a Marine. She's a businesswoman. And she talks about her transition out of the Marine Corps and how she found a niche, a business, really, that she she wasn't planning on. She talks about her transition out and the the struggles that she has uh, d- developing and, and growing a business. But it was a great conversation. We know you're going to dig it. But before we get into it, we have to talk about our sponsors because they keep the show on the air. First and foremost, season three sponsor, as always, is ModeuceNation.com. I think we all know that, but they're an awesome company. Ben and Lindsay do an amazing job. Always coming out with new designs, always supporting the community, and they're gracious enough to to support us and, and keep the show going. So thanks again to them, but please support the show. Go buy some Modus Nation clothing. Go Even if you don't need it, just go buy it. Go buy it for somebody. Somebody in your family needs a shirt or a sweatshirt or something. Go on their website, buy some stuff. You know you, know you want it. You know you want to. So just go do it. But uh, you can also use our promo code NOTHINGOWED to get a, uh, a special discount on their website. So use NOTHINGOWED on the modusnation.com website and buy some stuff. And just a couple sponsors also that uh, help keep us going. I'd like to mention them. Winfield Watch. Go check them out. They have some new designs coming out. I know you're going to you're gonna dig their automatic watches. They have some military-inspired field watches that are really cool. So go check out winfieldwatch.com. Cranky Veteran Candle, another brand that we really like. They're always cranking out new, new scents and new candles. And like I say all the time, if you haven't heard me before, Cranky Veteran, they're actually using natural ingredients that are, for the most part, allergy-free. So if you are burning candles in your house and you notice you're getting weird allergies, chances are it's from all the weird chemicals in some of those candles that are mass-produced that you buy at most stores. So Cranky Veteran, veteran-owned, healthy candles, go buy some. You know you want to. You can always use more candles. Buy them as a gift. You know, last minute you're going to need a gift for Christmas or Mother's Day or something. At least you have those candles on the shelf, and then you can send them out as opposed to running out to the store at the last minute and buying something that you don't want. So go check out crankyveterancandles.com. And also two other veteran-owned companies that we really like, Grind Ops Coffee, Aaron Meza. He was on the show a couple months back, but Aaron Meza is a law enforcement officer, canine handler, awesome dude. He's a great company, Second Amendment supporter, really patriotic, starting a, a great coffee business. So please go check out uh, Aaron Meza at Grind Ops Coffee. And last but not least, High Seas Jerky. If you like beef jerky, please check them out. They're making awesome stuff, really fresh, really tasty beef jerky. I know you won't be disappointed, so go please check out High Seas Jerky and uh, and buy some beef jerky. It lasts forever, almost. You can put it, in the, put it in your cabinet, put it in your car, put it in your lunch bag. You know you want beef jerky. You can always use it. It's a great snack to have, so go check them out. So those are the people that keep us on the air, and we really appreciate everything they do and everything they do for the community. So please support them. You're supporting veteran-owned businesses and you're supporting businesses that that give back to the community. And that's one of the cool things about what Ben and I have been able to do on this show is not only do we focus on, you know, entrepreneurs and people that have really made positive changes in their life, but, you know, we also, we're fortunate enough that we can pick from people that not only have done well for themselves, but also do well for the communities. And I I think nearly every guest we've had, I would say probably every guest now that I think about it, they're business owners and they're, they're starting off, but they're also giving back to the community. And that's really impressive. 
And that's something that you don't see in a lot of companies. You know, a lot of people are in it for themselves and a lot of people are just trying to, to make a quick buck. But the guests that we've had on the show, you know, I, I think from day one, they've always talked about helping other people and giving back in one way or another. And that's, that's really an awesome thing. And, and I think Ben and I are probably most proud of that. that we are able to, to get the word out about the people that we talk to and the good things that they do for the community. And, you know, especially the veteran community, the law enforcement community, you know, a lot of our, I think nearly all of our guests have been veterans with the exception of, of a handful. But uh, I think, I think I'd be pretty comfortable in saying that every one of our guests is a supporter of the veteran community at the very least. Uh, and they, they really support everything that we do. So, you know, if you're looking for some guests, please go back through our archives, or you can even check out our website with our show notes and do some shopping. You know, if I haven't mentioned them before, please, please go on the website, nothingo.com and check out our guests, buy some stuff. I know they're really going to appreciate it. We have all the links to their website and depending on who they are, we have links to their social media if you'd like to reach out to them. So please, uh, please check out the website. And one last thing, we've also partnered with Recycled Firefighter. There's a special link on our website at nothingo.com. Recycled Firefighter is a very cool company. I'm actually trying to schedule something with uh, Jake. Hopefully we can get our schedule synced up to where we can get him on the show soon. Fingers crossed, he's very busy. But I'd like to get his story out there too. But we've all, we've partnered with him. And there's a special link on the website. So if you go to nothingo.com and then go to the Recycled Firefighter link, then we get credit for that. And also it helps out Recycled Firefighter and Jake. So that's it for the house cleaning. I promise it's time to get into the show. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Nothing Owed podcast. As always, you're back with Ben and Brian, and we are bringing you another amazing guest this week. I know you're going to dig this one. Uh, good news. We have another Marine on the show, which is the gold standard of guests. So we're, we're very proud to, uh, to continue that tradition. <laughs> See, we're already upsetting Ben, but he knows what the truth is. So we're just going to carry on with what I previously said. Marines make the better guests, and that's the end of the story. Moving on. Uh, but our guest calls herself a t-shirt ninja fairy and is a big fan of exclamation points. So we're going to hear all about that, I'm sure. But uh, Angie Morelli from Customistic. Uh, we've been chatting for a few minutes. I know you're going to dig this one. Before we get into it, though, I want to uh, say hi to Ben, like we always do, check in with him, see what's new. So, Ben, tell us what's new. What's going on? How you been? Uh, man, it's been a week, been a couple weeks, actually, but... Uh, uh, our son is uh, still abroad. Um, we kind of know where he's at, but he's safe. So for all of our listeners that were worried about the the uh, Airborne, 82nd Airborne Division, they are safe and sound and doing God's work, I guess, over in uh, foreign countries uh, in Europe in support of what's going on. So, um, so listeners know our son's good, but uh, I'm excited about tonight's episode uh i met angie about a year ago through um you know with modus and with uh the screen printing operation she she does some similar things we have a business relationship and i have absolutely been impressed with angie and the way she handles herself the way she treats her employees the way she just overall conducts herself in a business situation she kicks ass she takes names and, you know, it's been a pleasure to do business with her. I wish most, I wish most of my customers were like that, where it's, you know, you know what you're getting. She's very clear, concise. There's never an issue. So um, 
I just enjoy being around her. She makes me laugh. I like to give her a hard time about being a Marine and about how her husband gave her permission to start her own company. Oh God. No, she, she gets a such slack. I mean, you know what? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. It is difficult to be a woman in business and in all seriousness, it's very difficult. And especially in the screen printing world where it's very testosterone driven. Um, and she doesn't look back and just kicks ass and takes names. So she is a, she is a great guest and really, again, the epitome of what we're trying to accomplish on the podcast and what, you know what, if I had a little daughter, I would hope that my daughter would grow up to be like her. So there you go, Angie. Aww. <laughs> it's a great introduction. So Angie, it's all yours. Please uh, give us a brief introduction. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We know um, served in the Marine Corps, obviously, which is awesome, but uh, kind of give us the background and uh, give us the, uh, the thumbnail version of how you got where you're at. So Angie, it's all yours. Ah, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Ben. Ben's my favorite printer that I've had to work with ever when it comes to any kind of contract printing. Uh, he he conducts himself a lot the same way that we do at our store. Like, if there's a mistake, it's like, okay, let's figure out how to fix this mistake. Let's figure out how we're not going to let this happen in the future, you know. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy to do this with Ben today. Um, but yeah, I, uh, was in the Marine Corps. I joined up, um, uh, I went to boot camp in August of 2001. So I was in boot camp for September 11th, which was a very specific experience with that, uh, historical date. Um, and, uh, then I worked on stage 53 echo helicopters. I was avionics. Those are the best ones, the really big ones that carry all the stuff. Um, and so I did that for five years and then, um, while I was in, I started my business, uh, because basically I went to try and go to the PX one day and find stuff that said my niece is a Marine and they didn't have anything. And I was very upset about this. Uh, and one of the guys in my shop, uh, had, had a decal maker. And so I asked him to make a couple things for me that said like my niece is a Marine. And, uh, then after that, I just started to come up with other designs like that, like, uh, the fewer, the prouder female Marines and, you know, the kind of things that you don't really see in the PX. Um, and then I started making really raunchy helicopter jokes and Marine jokes. Um, and, uh, then I got really popular with making decals and my friend that was making them for me, he ended up getting out. And so I ended up purchasing all this stuff from him and, uh, started this whole business out of my barracks room in Jackson, North Carolina. Uh, and that's kind of where the origins of my store today come from. So did you have, I mean, when you enlisted in the Marine Corps and kind of in your service, did you have any, any intention of, of starting a business after you got out or was this just a, to kind of random, you just saw a need and you filled it? Um, it was more of one of those is like, I just kind of tripped and fell into it. I was okay. honestly, when I joined the Marines, I didn't really, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. There's a lot of things I wanted to do, but I didn't know which one was the right one. You know what I'm saying? And okay. then. Um, you know, I just had kind of the call to, I, I had a real big thing when I was in high school about how I don't want to have to thank anybody else for defending my freedom. I never wanted to have to do that. Um, and so I wanted to go like do it on my own. Um, and say that, wait, 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 uh, say that again. You never, so, so when you were a young, a young woman, you, you never wanted to thank somebody else for protecting your freedom. Yeah. I, well, I basically, it was more of like, I didn't want to feel in debt to anybody. I wanted to feel like I, I had served the time that I needed to serve for that. Um, and I, I didn't want to have to be in debt to anyone else for doing that for wow. me. Wow. Yeah. Which is so weird for like a high school, high school. No, that's, to do. 
that's not even I, I got goosebumps when you said that because that's that's you know generations past that's how everybody felt you know like okay yeah. country needs me i'm gonna go do some time and then i'm gonna go back to being a school teacher or whatever it is right so that that's inspiring honestly like and for one a young female and then two just a young person in general like to go you know what i'm gonna do this because i don't want i you know i don't want to have to owe a debt to society for my freedom that's that's right inspiring where did you grow up in vegas i mean oh. i was born in detroit but i grew up in vegas oh i didn't know that i didn't know you yeah. were born and raised oh, okay well, this isn't the most like I thought you were gonna say like you know Fort Wayne, Indiana, where you know they're they're having Fourth of July parades and you know ice cream and hot dogs, but Vegas isn't like the most patriotic town either. That's awesome. No, I actually um, I credit my government teacher. So I went to Advanced Technologies Academy out here in Las Vegas, and um, we had this really really bomb ass government teacher at ATEC. Um, and he actually, I think, was responsible for a lot of those kids joining the Marine Corps. Uh, but yeah, he, he, the way that he talked about it, I was like, yeah, you know, I, I feel like that's something I need to do too, you know? And then I joined, obviously, I joined the Marines so I can just talk shit for the rest of my life. Yeah. So you I, mostly, yeah. Ben. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Do you still, do you, I'm not even getting into it. I was going to make some crayon <laughs> jokes. I'm not even, you know what? I don't feel like doing it tonight. It's it's too much. Well, you're I mean, outnumbered. Yeah. Well, that's normal. It's normal. <laughs> I I would bet that every four of our five, four out of every five guests, I feel like we have is a Marine. Then we'll have an Army guy, and then you know, I don't think we've had Coast Guard yet. We need to get a Coast Guard guy on the show. Poor lady. Yeah, no Coast. No Poor lady. Guard. We, we need to get non non pronoun Coast Guard. Remember, yeah. <laughs> we haven't had Space Force either. We got to get one of those. I actually get a, know get a well, it's, that's off topic. All right, so you go in the Marine Corps. I mean, we're going to go down a rabbit hole here, like we always do. But so you go <laughs> in the Marine Corps, you can't find a t shirt for your uncle or aunt. And so you buy this stuff and you just start cricket, cricketing shit out of your barracks room, huh? No, Is that how you I say mean, that? I, cricketing? I, well, I, well, first of all, I was just the decals at the time. Um, and then I got like a real plotter, like my, my, my sergeant while I was in, he had like a legit 24 inch plotter, which I oh. mean, plotters aren't that expensive to begin with, but, um, like he had a plotter. And so I just started plotting stuff. And then when I got out of the military, I was, I was intending on being a high school history teacher because I was so, you know, enamored with my government teacher. Um, and so I was like high school history teacher, that's what I'm going to do. Um, but then I opened up my decal shop just because I decided, you know, from being in the air wing in the Marine Corps, me being a full-time student wasn't going to take up nearly enough of my time. So I decided to also open a store inside of a shopping mall at the age of 23. Um, and I started off just uh, at a kiosk making decals on the kiosk. And within a month and a half, I'd gotten too big for that. So I had to move into an 800 square foot store. Within a couple months there, I, I got too big for that. So I had to move into a bigger location. Um, and yeah, but during the time that I was still in the store in the mall, um, people kept coming in and asking if we made t-shirts. Um, and I was like, nah, but I had so many people ask that I was like, you know what? And I had a really good holiday season that season. And that, that's the thing is, is that you just, when you start off a business like this, you just start from scratch 
Like I started my business with $2,000 that I had saved up um, and bought just a plotter and some vinyl. And then just every time I made any money, it was just me dumping that money back into my business. Um, and so I've kind of just, you know, lived on a shoestring diet since then. Um, just every time we do well, I just reinvest it, reinvest it, reinvest it, reinvest it into my store to the point, like it's, it's a pretty big store with a lot of fancy stuff in it now, you know? Yeah. You're, you're providing jobs. You're providing a pretty cool service. I mean, you can kind of get any kind of t-shirt you want at her store, almost anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's she doesn't. Do, she doesn't do Trump T-shirts. I don't think. I don't. I didn't say I don't do Trump T-shirts. I don't do T-shirts <laughs> with hate speech. It just so happens that a lot of Trump supporters want to get some vulgar stuff on their shirts. I don't. I want shirts that are going to make people happy. I don't want shirts that are going to make people upset. So, dude, you know? she she gave me a T-shirt uh, or show. You, you didn't give me this one, but you did show me. You had it, and it was what's the one that it's it's Chewbacca, but it's the Jewish. It's Chewbacca, oh, right? Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. It was like <laughs> this Chewbacca with a yarmulke. Yeah. It was so yeah. funny. For Christmas, yeah. she got me. So in the screen printing business, there's PMS colors. Like every time you have to pick the color so we can mix the ink properly. And she got me a chocolate. It was like all these different colors of chocolate, but it was like, you know, white chocolate, PMS color, blah, blah, blah. And then it had all the different chocolate codes on it it was pretty funny yeah <laughs> so working design it. stuff yeah i love it nerdy designs so where do you i mean where do you come up with all the designs is that just are you naturally creative or do you have a team that works for you how, did, how does that work um i mean honestly when i first started off it was mostly me selling things because they were funny designs it wasn't really a lot of on demand Okay. Um, and then, uh, when I like, so that was all of the details I did while I was in, and I would sometimes take some custom orders. Um, cause I would basically, when, when I was still in the military, I would just, I was known for my accordion file, right? So I had this big accordion file that I had all these designs and I would file all of my little decals into the different designs. And I had it separated between, you know, what kind of helicopter and, you know, like what kind of job. Um, and then, uh, and I would call ahead to all the shops um, once, a, once a month. And I'd be like, hey, the decal girl's coming this Friday. Tell all of your Marines to have their cash ready so they can purchase decals. Um, and so it was all pre-made stuff for the most part back then um, to the point where actually, since this is kind of a military show, I'll tell you the story. Um, when I got pinned sergeant, I had a visiting sergeant major come um, and pin me. Uh, and while he's pinning me E5, He's asking, he's like, do you have your decal accordion file with you today? Because <laughs> like after the ceremony, he wanted to buy decals for me. Um, I also got into some trouble. I'm really excited now to tell you guys some of these stories. I got into trouble once because one of my, I, I used to get into trouble all the time with uh, my decals because they were, they were the raunchy versions. Like I had one, I had a, a V-22 humping a stage 46 helicopter you know, like it was really raunchy stuff that I did. And uh, I, one of the, one of the decals I was most famous for was USMC, but with this font called Fuzzy Cootie. So it's all just strippers on the letters. So it's like USMC with strippers on it. And um, I, was, I was pretty well known for this one. I had it real big on the back of my car. And um, at some point, like right when I was about to get out, it was like six months before I was about to get out, all of the staff and CEOs and officers had gone off drinking someplace for some, I don't know, some 
some higher up uh, shindig. And so they came back a little toasty. I ran into my exo. My exo stopped me in the parking lot. He's like, Marley, um, I, you know, I, I've had a lot of people calling and asking me about you selling that USMC uh, decal. Uh, the one with the, the ladies on it, uh, you know, I, I, what do you have to say about that? And I was like, well, sir, I don't know why they're calling you. It's not like you can tell me I can't sell it. And he's like, you know, you're absolutely right. I, I don't have that power to tell you that you can't sell this decal, but I, I can ask you, you know, like I can ask you to no longer sell that decal. You know, you're just giving us all a headache with this. And, you know, we've got all these offensive decals over base all, all over the town. And, you know, everybody knows where they're coming from. And, you know, we're just tired of listening to complaints. And I was like, sir, are you asking me not to sell that decal? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay, sir, I won't sell that decal anymore. I went home and I made 300 of them. I gave them away. I brought them to work and I gave them all away. (laughs) I was kind of a troublemaker while I was in, but also, like, I was really good at what I did, so... It didn't. It didn't really matter. Nobody could really give me shit about it. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun and gotten a lot of trouble making decals while I was in. You still make any of those? Or are those in the archives? Oh, I get so excited if somebody even asks for one of those designs. You know, I end up making it for free, especially if they're an air winger. Um, you know, I I love doing those things because um, that was the kind of stuff I like doing was designing stuff up. But it's just it's just to nowadays. You know, now that I've seen my my store evolve and I'm no longer in a military town and all that. You know, it's mostly just people coming in and ordering whatever they want. I have a couple of designs that we're known for. Like we've got, you know, uh, one that's basically just like a bunch of military dudes inside of a, a plane, some, some kind of plane. I think it's a C5. <clears throat> it's like uh, the inside view of a can of lip ass. That's on our oh, window. That's, cool. that's one of the ones. Yeah, that's one of the ones that a lot of people see and they, they request. But for the most part, people are coming in and they're, you know, ordering whatever they saw on Facebook or whatever funny thing they want to get. Very cool. So, I mean, you made it, you made a, a lot of really good business decisions up front. I mean, you, you really didn't blow all the money you, you came across. I mean, where did you, is that just something that you instinctively did or did you take any business training? I mean, I, you really set yourself up for success really early on. That's, that's awesome. I mean, how, how'd you, a lot of people make, wouldn't make that, make that right decision at early on. So, I mean, how'd you, how'd you navigate that? Um, I think that a lot of it came from, um, my dad owned a lock shop while I was growing up and I saw a lot like, you know, when you're younger and, you know, uh, you, you think that you're going to make better decisions than your bosses at the time. Right. Um, and I, that was a lot of it too. It was like me working for a lot of small businesses when I was in high school and just seeing, um, you know, kind of just the dilapidated way that people ran their businesses, um, and for some reason that just always irked me. And so I, I don't know, that's actually some good question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me that before. Um, I think it's just more of me just constantly being into how to figure out how to be the best, um, at what we did and to make sure that, you know, cause people trust us with their orders. And so like if people, you know, people have a gift that they want to get for somebody and they want to make sure it's awesome. Somebody has, you know, um, they're trying to propose to their girlfriend or, you know, they're trying to celebrate their employees or they're trying to advertise their business. They're coming to us, um, you know, to get that, that project taken care of. And I, I take that really seriously. You know, I want to make sure that whatever we're doing and whatever we're providing for them is actually going to fulfill their need and be really cool and help them out. Um, and I think that that's kind of motivated me more than anything. Like I, I like to save a lot of other places in town, um, you know, they're in it to make money and we're in it to make t-shirts. Um, I, I think that it, it just kind of depends on the reason why you got into the business. I got into it to be a community member and help people promote their passions. And I think that's kind of the difference. 
I think that's awesome. I mean, I think that's the market. Did you write all that down? (laughs) No. Did you just read that? (laughs) No. Good Lord. I think that's a market. You have some good answers, though. Yeah, you've got some good answers today. I didn't know you were, I knew you were smart, but I didn't know you were this smart. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I will tell you one thing that um, has impressed me about Angie and it is Angie's constantly trying to learn. It, she's always texting me, uh, emailing me, hey, did you see this article about this? Did you know that this piece of equipment has better ink over at this thing over here? She called me the other day and said, hey, heads up. I talked to like 3 million and 42 distributors and these size shirts are going to be out of stock. We need to stock up as a, as a, a, a co-op, you know, kind of thing. And this one thing about her, she's, she's never just sitting in the mud. She's like, it's, it's always something's on the move and she's always trying to learn, you know? I mean, is that something that's always in you? I mean, were you, are you like a sponge or is that something just as a business owner? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Uh, to me, it's like, you know, you're going to be doom scrolling Facebook or you're going to be looking up things that are pertinent to like what you do and like how to make your job easier for your employees and how to make, you know, your services better for your customers. And, uh, it's so easy. Like it's 2022. You can have Google, like I have Google alerts on my phone for like anytime anybody posts anything about custom t-shirts, I get an email and I get to go look at that and, and take a look at it. It's also about, you know, I think something that a lot of business owners don't do is um, have really good relationships with their uh, suppliers. Like I have specific people that I like, I have this one woman that I worked with for 10 years. And then I met her at a convention. Finally, we're like, Oh my God, we've talked on the phone once a week for 10 years. And, you know, uh, we didn't even know we were so excited to meet each other. Um, I, I and, and that's also where I get a lot of this information from too, is because like my suppliers, you know, they know that I'm a dork and I need to know about like every convention that's happening all the time you know, and like, I is like, if they find something interesting, they'll call me and tell me all this stuff. And so, I mean, I think it goes both ways, you know, like you have to kind of put yourself out there and be like, Hey, I know that I want to be the best. And now, you know, that I want to be the best. And, you know, I want to get you more money too, you know, so help me figure out how we can make this work between us. It's awesome. Very good point. That's very cool. I think that's translatable to any business too. I mean, I've, you know, I've been in other industries, Brian's been in other industries and, you know, I've, I've, you know, I'm a sales guy, right? But, but I've always said people do business with people they like, and constantly taking care of people on both ends of your spectrum, whatever that is, whether it's you know a wholesale relationship to an end client, whatever that spectrum is, developing relationships with people and not, you know, that that's how business gets done, and that's how you ex- succeed and excel in in almost any industry. You know, it's. If you're an attorney and you don't take care of the, you know, if you don't treat judges with respect and treat your legal clerks exactly. with respect, you're done, right? No judge is going to want to do business with you or take your case or help you out. And if you are treating your legal clerks like crap, you're not going to get the best, you know, prospectus and research right. done on whatever the case is. I mean, it's it's all translatable to any type of business in my mind. Yeah. And, but also like you have to identify that thing in the very beginning. I actually had to, had to talk to somebody in a t-shirt forum today because this lady was complaining because she was like, I have an employee that keeps, you know, putting t-shirts on the platen brick and everybody's like, if you fold the t-shirts in half and then you heat press it and then you put it on the platen, then you know exactly where your center line is. And this lady's like, we don't have time for that. And I'm like, okay, 
I hear what you're saying, but this is where you're going to like make the decision right now. You've got three options, good, fast, or cheap. Pick any two. You need to specialize in two of those. If you're choosing that you want to do cheap and fast, that's fine. But then don't be upset with your employee when she can't press t-shirt straight. You know, like me personally, I am going to be focused on good and fast, you know, and I'm going to make sure that we're taking the time to do it correctly and everything. And I'm going to charge you a little bit more for that. You know, it's like, it's just you making that decision, especially in service, you know, so what you're actually going to specialize in and, and you got to make that decision and stick with it and then make all of your decisions after that based off of, you know, your original plan as to how you're going to run your business. And I think a lot of people forget that. I think you're right. And I like what you said too about looking for ways to improve the experience for employees. Cause I, I can tell you, like I worked for Shimano this is a long time ago, but they didn't pay very well, but everything else they gave out, we didn't pay for healthcare and just working for the company was an amazing experience. And I had people that stayed there for 20, 30 years, even though it wasn't the best paying job, but for as big as Shimano was the company here, it was in Irvine. They still are, but they had, I was shocked when I, my first day there, cause they had so few employees, but they were such a huge company and they were so productive that everybody came to work. They wanted to work. They wanted to do what was best for the company because the company invested in them and made them feel like they were part of the team and everyone contributed. And it was just an awesome experience. And I, I think there are there's some days I regret leaving there cause it, it was such an, it was such an amazing place to work. It was such a great environment that I really enjoyed going to work there every day. And that's, I think another thing a lot of people overlook too, just like you said, you know, in their business, they, they're pushing people faster, cheaper, faster, cheaper, but you fall off a cliff real fast when you push your employees that way, because at some point they stop caring and either one, they're going to start looking for another job or they're just coming in to take that paycheck and they don't have any investment in the outcome of that business. They're just, yeah, I don't care. Like you said about t-shirts, what do I care if all these shirts are, are crooked? It's not my money. Have a nice day. See you later. Right. Yeah, so I, I think you see, you've said so many awesome, so many awesome things in the last few minutes. We, we could spend the rest of the show on them, but uh, I mean, I, like you said, it's employees are more valuable. And I think a lot of companies realize and taking care of your people gets, gets you so much more in return. Um, and as long as you you have the right values and, and you set the right course, you set the right direction and give people the authority to make the right decisions. And just like in the military, you're, you're going to get a much better product for not that you want to, <laughs> In your business, you have to save on cost, but at the same time, you have to be smart and say, okay, well, let's pay people a reasonable amount, but how do we maximize the, the time and effort that we get, you know, when they're at work? Um, so that's well, my, my soapbox. There's a fine line between that where, I mean, I've worked for companies and owned companies that are on both ends of that spectrum, right? But there's a fine line, you know, you have a fiduciary responsibility, right? Yeah. You, you can't just not, you know, you can't just give all your money away. You've got to be for profit or you don't have jobs, right? But taking care of your people is something that I I am afraid is becoming more and more of a lost art. You know, just, you know, more and more companies are about bottom line and you have to, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's a fine line. You have to, you have to be profitable, but also well, there are ways, like you said, that the company you worked for, Brian, that wasn't the best paying job, but they had such you know what we'll call a benefit package you know to to make it such a good environment to be there because it you know well, it wasn't i mean I, I i get what you're saying but i guess what i would say is it wasn't just about the benefits i would say that the environment that they built in that company um and shimano's a they're headquartered in japan and they're a global company they have subsidiaries all over the world but it was the 
it was the investment that they put in, in us into the company. Like we, we were proud that we worked for the company. We were proud to, to buy their products. You know, it was, it was, it was a very unique feel compared to some of the other jobs that I've, I've had because it was like, everybody really wanted to be there. Right. Everyone was invested yeah. and everyone understood that, yeah, it's a business and we have to be profitable. But at the same time, when you have people that are invested in the company, it's like, okay, we understand that this is a business. We understand we have to be profitable. And I'm, this is a long time ago when I worked for Oakley, I was able to do that with some of my people that, um, that were under me. Like I, they were disappearing during the day. They would go to the movies. They would ship out like whole new products instead of repairing certain things. It was nuts. And when I showed up, like, I, I was like, what the hell is this? Like you're, you're sending out whole new watches instead of batteries. You know, you're disappearing for hours on end. And I've sat them down one day and I said, listen, like exactly what we're talking about. This is a business. If you guys can't prove the value that you bring to this company, then it, you, there's no need for you to be here. So you have to justify your existence. But the better that you guys do, the more efficient we can make this department, the better off we're all going to be. It's more bonuses. The company's going to do better. And Oakley's huge, obviously. But um, I think it's if you do it the right way, I guess my point is you have to get that investment. You have to get that buy-off on people so where they understand what they're working for. Give them a mission, right? And is a mission well, to... Yeah. And that's, that I think that's actually kind of more important because a lot of people, like a lot of bosses, and, and by the way, like there, I think the whole industry has shifted, well, the whole country when it comes to employment has shifted in the last few years. And I think it's showing, like they've done multiple studies on this, like right now, if you were to poll workers about what's most important, pay is not the number one most important thing for most yeah. folks that are looking for jobs. They're looking for, you know, mental health and they're looking for, you know, being supported. They're looking to be uh, motivated. They're looking to be inspired. They're looking to learn, you know, there's so many other things that are important to them, but it's, it's not, well, you can't start, you can't start the conversation at, you know, you've got to prove to me how you're valuable to this company. No, nah, man, you've got to tell your employee that you've just hired how you're going to help them out. You know, like you've got to give, you've got to inspire them to be able to be able to perform at levels that they haven't performed at. Like that's kind of what I'm seeing in my business right now is that I, I did a really weird, I, I ever, all of us had to change the way we were hiring in the last years. Right. And like, I went through and I studied all of these different articles on like the best interview questions to ask and the best things to look at, like for backgrounds and all of that. And, and I found a lot of things that were pretty interesting, but the main thing I did was I stopped trying to micromanage my employees and demand things out of them. It was more of me letting them take the wheel and be like, here's a project. What, what are you going to do with this project? If I give you this project. And I've seen these, these four kids that I hired like six months ago, all four of them have just blossomed into new roles. I didn't even imagine in the 15 years I've been in business, they've just created these brand new roles for themselves. And they're all coming to work inspired. They come up with new ideas as to how to fix things all the time. Like, uh, they're yeah. contributing to like all the assets that we have for digital marketing. I, I think that I, I think it's more about like if, if you're empowering your people and you care about them and you know about them and you know what motivates them and you know what you need to do to support them, then they're going to take take the baton and go and do amazing things for you. And I think that's just a not not a thing that a lot of small business owners really appreciate, especially out of this younger generation. I wish I wish they would. Well, I think, I mean, a lot of people will hear that and I think, and I'll play devil's advocate for a second. How would you address someone that says, well, I don't want to let, I don't want to give my people that much freedom, right? They, you know, someone that's maybe a tr more traditional mindset in business, someone I, you know, I don't want to let people run wild and run rampant and 
just do whatever they want. I mean, it's, I think a lot of people have that fear. So what, how would you, what would you tell someone to assuage their fears? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, it's not about letting them run rampant. It's about like giving them, them the opportunity for them to feel like they're valuable to that company. You know, if you just have somebody who's sitting there doing exactly what they were told to do, then they don't feel valuable because they know that they could just be replaced by some other ding dong that's going to be able to go in there and just replicate their jobs. They, they need to be able to feel empowered and inspired and, and valuable to the business that they're working at. And they have to be able to carve out a little like, these, you know, the younger generations, especially like they, they want the opportunity to feel individualized and, and, and feel like they're, they're special with what they're doing in the store and feel like they've, they've made a difference, you know? And I, I think that's how you retain people is by doing that. Because if, if they just feel like they're another, you know, uh, you know, low level employee that, uh, you know, everybody's doing the same job. I, I that's completely what's to stop them from, you know, calling out of work and then calling out of work and then not never coming back, you know, like they, they need to feel valued at their job or else they're not going to want to stay and they're not going to do a good job. You can't feel valued if, if, if you're just doing exactly what you're told. You got to give them a little bit of leniency and be patient when they make mistakes, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I think, I think today, like, you know, the traditional business mind, you know, you, you got to delegation is hard for anybody that's a manager or a business owner. It's very difficult to, especially if it's your baby that you built out of your barracks room, right? It's very difficult to kind of let some of that go. But I think that people, Generally, if you can convince your employees to want to be there and want that they feel invested, if you can convince them that that's true, which hopefully in most cases it should be true, but if you can convince your team members to do that, they're always going to produce more. So sadly, it it generates more revenue. Like the, the thing that you're all, you know, instead of focusing on the revenue, micromanaging the step-by-step daily operation, if your team members are are excited to be there, they're inspired, they're, you know, they're proactive, not reactive, those kind of things, the revenue comes, the revenue comes mm-hmm. with that, you know, so, and which then in turn gives you an opportunity to pay more, to hire more to, and to grow. Um, it's very difficult though. I mean, I will say I, I, I'm better at it now, but I used to struggle with delegation because I, you know, there's a million ways you and I are going to do a task. If somebody came to to the three of us and said, do task A, I think all three of us probably could accomplish task A, but all three of us are going to do it in a different way. We're going to approach it differently. We're going to look at it differently. We're going to accomplish it differently. But to be able to say, you know, my assistant now who Angie knows, mm-hmm. she's 22 years old. And I've told her from the second week I worked with her, I told her, I said, I've never met like people my age that have, I said, I can teach you everything there is to know about screen printing, about sales, et cetera, et cetera. But you have the thing that I can't teach you. You have drive, you have ambition, you understand your goals, your wants, your needs, and where you want to go. And so for her, she thinks way differently than I think. She she's, she's a nut job, left-leaning liberal, like somebody else on this show. No, uh, no, but she, she is absolutely driven. And I know that I can say, I'll just call her M. Hey, M, I need you to do this. I never have to ask her twice. She does it differently than I would do it, but she gets the job done and she feels like she's part of the team. She's, and she is, I mean, you, you know, you work with her. I would 
I would shrivel on I the vine. I had no without... idea she was only 22. She's she 22 is... years old. That is insanity to me. She is so amazing. Yeah, no, she is. It's absolutely, but it's, it's you know, being able to delegate to somebody like that and saying, here's the task. Make it your task. You know, you do it how you want to do it and then come back yeah. to me when it's done. You know, because we're going to get to, you know, or I could sit there and go, so how are you writing that email? What color are you using on the background? You know, how did you type that? Did you, she'd quit by now. You know, she's, she's so driven and wants to be inspired, which is, it's a rare, it's a rare quality, but human nature, I think everybody wants to feel like we're part of a team and part of a community, you know, we're all part of that. Yeah, there's this one author uh, that I love, Patrick Lincioni. Uh, I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but he he's written a ton of books on this, and it's just basically about like like these people who work for you are not cogs. Like, and the more you value them, a the more you get out of your work life because now you're working with folks that you like and you have a relationship with, and you're invested in their lives, and also vice versa. And it makes it a lot harder for you to let them go, and it makes it a lot harder for them to try and quit a job. You know, uh, whenever whenever you do take the time to do those things. The other thing I was going to say too about like one of the things that we do with the store that I teach my managers is, um, you know, we're going to train people how to do something, right? So we're going to train you how to make a decal, but I'm going to make a decal differently than she's going to make a decal, and she's going to make it differently than you know the other manager, you know. And it's not important. Like you don't want to just teach these new people like the one way to make a decal. You want to teach them all the different ways that you can make it, and then let them figure out which way they feel comfortable with. And eventually, one of these days, one of those kids is going to come up with something that improves upon how I'm making decals, and I've been making them for 20 years, you know. And uh, you know, when you give people the freedom, like you have to go through the things like, look, you're going to learn it our way. You need to learn how to do it this way. But then after that, if you have improvements upon this, feel free and let me know. And like these kids come up with new ideas all the time that I've never even thought of before, you know? Um, and so I, I, I hear what y'all are saying, but I, I do think, yeah, it's, it's important for them to start off with like the, the, how it's supposed to go and then just let them go from there. Give them a little bit of space for them to be able to make mistakes and, um, you know, uh, figure out how to make things a little bit better. Well, I think we agree with you. And I, in the past, we've, we've talked about this on the show. Uh, we've made it a point to say that the economy seems to be changing very, well, it is changing very fast. Um, so I'd kind of like to hear your opinion on being in business for so long, you know, if what those changes, what you've, what kind of changes you've seen, but back to your point, I think, like I said, we agree with you, but I just kind of wanted to drive that point home and play devil's advocate for a second. But um, it's, I guess my question is, being in business for the length of time that you have been, is this a new phenomenon or have you always treated your employees this way? Is, is, is this philosophy how you've always run your business? I mean, I'd be curious to see what, what changes you've seen in the last few years because everyone oh, seems no. to complain. Let's, yeah, let's, let's not get it twisted. Um, being a woman in the Marine Corps in charge of 50 men is a completely different leadership style than being like a civilian in charge of a bunch of young ladies. I am so happy that the male role model in your life allowed you to go into the Marine Corps and lead men. That <laughs> I mean, my aunt was also in the army, but that wasn't oh, for some reason that didn't awesome. connect with me as much. Yeah, uh huh. Uh, she was an MP, by the way. 
but uh, no, it's uh, yeah, of course, leadership styles have changed. Like, I had to be a completely different leader. And honestly, this is not a bra- I'm not trying to brag about this, even though some people think it's really funny. I made like everyone who works for me cry for such a long time because, A, I just have such, like, if I'm mad, you, you can tell I'm mad because I'm screaming, but sometimes people think that I'm mad when I'm not mad. So it's like when I got out, I, it was mostly, you know, dependents that were working for me, right? So people's kids and people's wives in North Carolina were working for me uh, when I had my store out there. And, you know, it's you have to develop a very different leadership style as a woman in the military, a woman in the Marine Corps, and a woman who's actually in a leadership position in the Marine Corps. And it did take several years of me readjusting to try and, like, figure out how to actually deal with civilian employees that are not obligated to be a part of the Marine Corps for the next five years. And, you know, uh, uh, it's, it was a completely different circumstance. Um, And so I have had to do a lot of work. Like I did, I did specific research on how to be the best Marine at the time. Then I had to reprogram all of that out of me since then. Um, And I feel like, I I, I feel like I've gotten a lot better. I think I've gotten a lot better in the last two years than I was two years ago. I think in two years from now, I'm going to be a lot better. And hopefully I just, become a better and better boss every year. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I'm able to help the people who work under me become better bosses too. Like that's what I'm about at my store is like, I'm not just teaching you how to do this job here. I want to help you, you know, set up to where you're a good leader in other jobs as well, you know, cause that's, that's the most important, important part. I think of anybody's happiness to the job and it is how their boss treats them. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think that, yeah, you have to do the work on it though. You can't just be one of those people where it's like, you're not doing anything and you just, trying to gain experience of dealing with your employees. Now, man, you got to like do research and read books and listen to podcasts and talk to other employers and, you know, get advice as to how to deal with specific circumstances and, you know, do active work on trying to become a a better leader in that way. Uh, I think, and that's another thing that I see a lot, not a lot of business owners are doing too much of, you know, it, it doesn't come natural. There's nobody who's a naturally good leader. You have to do the work just like anything else that you're, you're experienced or good at, you know? What books would you recommend for someone who wants to follow your example? Oh man, um, I mean, I can send you a list. I, I'm really bad with names and stuff. That that Patrick Lencioni guy is the guy I'm currently obsessed with right now. He tells a lot of his uh, he he writes fables about like work experiences and he peppers on all of this information. And it's just like any other self help book, right? You're gonna read a book and you know uh, you're gonna be familiar with a lot of the information that's in there. Um, some of it's going to be some reminders and then 10% of it's going to be like, oh man, that's amazing. Um, but I, I personally go to a lot of professional development stuff. Um, so, uh, and, and I'm also currently obsessed with learning about Lean Six Sigma. Um, I don't know how familiar you all are with that, but it's basically a, a way of um, refining production down to being more efficient um, for employees and for machinery and for goods and cogs and all that. Um, but, uh, I, yeah, Patrick Lucioni is the, is the number one author I'm reading right now. Anytime I'm buying anything aside from a six months ago, I had to go down a deep dive for, um, some books on how to deal with insane customers because <laughs> that was a new thing that we were dealing with. Oh. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, the, right now, the old, the old Marine, like, the old Marine wants to come out and just, Yo, but it's not that though, but it's so much more difficult. Is that honestly been that's the thing is is that you know the old marine would come out and I had a baseball bat behind my counter and I'd mouth off at whoever I wanted to. You can't do that anymore. Yeah. We're reading all these stories about these folks that are getting shot over sauce packets. You know, I would die if I mouth off at a customer, leave for the day, and a customer comes back to the store to shoot one of my employees. Like that's my worst nightmare, you know? Like you 
have to be so much more careful. Like the, everything has just changed so much um, in the last, you know, 15 years, especially the last two years, you just, you, you've asked to change the way that you're doing everything. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, it, but again, like it goes back to like doing the research on it and doing the self-improvement and trying to become better so that you're not putting yourself or your employees in those situations, or at least doing everything you can to avoid putting yourself in those situations, you know? Yeah, no, I'd agree. It's, it's tough. I've told some stories on air and so is Brian just about like, when you, when, when you first got out of the military and you had to go work in a civilian role, like the way you, you, you kind of look at people and then you're like, wait, you didn't do your job. Now I'm going to rip your head off and you're going to feel right. it. But I didn't feel weird because you should have done your job. Like, you know, and those days are, it's, it's tougher and tougher to deal with, with angry people. Right. So I want to talk about a subject, but I, I want you to, without sounding chauvinistic, because I think you're an amazing business person, period. Um, but you are a woman business owner. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of those struggles and, and yeah, what you I do? Mean, you, I mean, I joke yeah. with you about it in, in a very, and, and you know I'm joking, so I hope our listeners don't think I'm a chauvinistic pig more than I am. But the I know you are. It's fine. I know I am. But the, <laughs> she's, I open doors for ladies. All right. So knock it off. But the, she's told me some stories about some things people have said to her and treat and Brian and I are not, we're not women in business. We can hear your stories. We can laugh about stories because you laugh about them, but it's oh, yeah. also a struggle that Brian and I can never relate to. Right. We're not, we're never going to be women in business. Right. So right. do you want to talk about that a little bit? Cause I, I mean, you do kick yeah. ass and, and again, I think you're an amazing business person regardless, you know, you're not just, I hate, I hate saying, I hate saying to people like you're a great black business owner or you're a great woman business owner. Like, no, you're a great business owner. You just happen to be a woman and you deal with women in business problems. Does that make sense? I don't like to say, okay. Yeah. You don't have to keep apologizing. I understand what you're saying. And everybody else is listening to this. Ben, Ben doesn't, he's fine. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's plenty of things that come along with being like a female business owner. And on top of that, a female business owner in our industry, right. Which we've had recent conversations about how that's particularly difficult in 2022 when it really should not, like, I feel like I I actually said this to uh, somebody at one of the trade conventions I went to recently. I'm like the sexism I've experienced in this industry in the last two years pales in comparison to like, it's, it's it's way more of a problem in 2022 than it was for me in the Marine Corps in 2001, right? Wow. Like, it's like, it like in some of the, it, it is microaggressions and stuff from all over the place, right? So just to give you an example, like coming up as a, you know, young woman that owned a, a business, you know, I, I really did for a long time. I, I'm getting a little older now, so I can't get away with it as much, you know? Um, but um, picture being somebody that's like 25, 26 years old, running a custom t-shirt store and people trying to argue with you about prices, you know? And uh, I, I, it was a joke at the time that, you know, any male employee that worked for me was obviously the boss, regardless of how old they were. Um, also, any older employee than me, you know, is obviously the boss, um, regardless of, you know, how long they had been working for me, which that's all fine. And for a long time, I honestly just kind of played into it too. It's like people would try and challenge me on things. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't make the prices. I just work here. You know? <laughs> so it's like, I would also take advantage of the situation. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at a certain point, uh, 
And, and then the things like what you were talking about earlier, you know, just the kind of comments like Ben keeps laughing about the story I told him a couple of weeks ago about how I was in front of a, a business uh, in my shopping center and I was selling some decals in front of the, this restaurant. And this guy came out because I was just showing this other young woman who worked for me how to do it. And I'm obviously training this woman how to do it. By the way, I've been doing decals for 20 years, right? And uh, it's a very simple install. And like this man comes out and he's just like peppering me with all these, like, hey, do you need a level? And it's like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, he's like, well, if you need a level, it's easier for you to get it straight. And I'm like, sir. And then I have to stop what I'm doing and explain to him, like, sir, that's not how you hang decals on the fronts of businesses. It doesn't matter if it's level or not. All that matters is that it looks straight on the door. If the door is not level, then what does it matter? If the, de- if the door is not level, then the decal being level is going to make it look ridiculous. Like, and I had to sit there and explain to this man how to install a decal on in the middle of doing an install. And then he starts asking me a bunch of questions about like, I don't even remember how we started talking about, but basically out of somewhere, like I explained to him, I opened this business, um, you know, when I was in the military and the man said something along the lines of like, oh yeah, your husband. So this is your husband's business, right? (laughs) And I was just like, no, this is my business. Women can be business owners now too. (laughs) (laughs) Just like offbeat comments like that, which that's not really the stuff that even bothers me anymore because I've gotten so good at responding to it and making them feel like idiots. Um, but, uh, basically like the things that are kind of difficult are the two things that we've been seeing that I've been complaining about recently. One is, um, as a woman business owner, getting tech support out to my store or getting tech support period, um, is really a problem. Like, uh, most of the folks that are working tech support have been doing it like one or two years. Like this is just a gig for them, you know? Um, and, 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 I, I was complaining about it before I realized something in the last couple of weeks about it, which I'll get to in a second. But basically every time we would have, um, you know, I, you have to pay a couple thousand dollars for someone to come out and fix your machine. If it's that broken, that they have to come out and fix it. Right. And so we would have these dudes that just come into the store and they just talk down on us. They talk down on me. They talk down on my manager. Um, we had just hired this young man that had been working for me, I think two weeks at the time. And I, me and the other manager, like, obviously I've been doing this forever. My other managers have been working there for two or three years at that point. And like the guy just wouldn't speak to us. He just keep on, kept on going back to the guy and just talking to this guy who had worked for me for two weeks. Um, until finally the guy was like, I don't know anything. I was just hired. They are the managers. Can you please talk to them? Um, and it, like, it was still just super stupid. And every time, you know, we tried to explain to him a problem, he's like, well, that seems like, like, I'm not a graphic designer, but that seems like that's a graphic design problem. And I'm like, well, I am a graphic designer and I've been doing it for 20 years. And I'm telling you, it's not the graphics, the vector graphic. You can't be messing that up. And it's just like constant issues with that, with uh, tech support. And I actually got so frustrated about it. Uh, with the recent trade conventions I went to, I started talking to other women business owners about it. And they all thought that those guys were just jerks and they didn't understand that the guys were having a different, the guy business owners have a different um, uh, experience with that to the point where I started an experiment since I got back. Um, and I've started having one of the, we have one straight white male dude in my store. <laughs> We started using his privilege for certain things. And uh, recently we realized the hack of like, hey, you know what? If we get straight white dude to call and get tech support, they don't ask him stupid questions for 30 minutes about if we've restarted the computer or if we have restarted this or if we've done that. And he gets, he gets to just jump to the head of the line to all of the questions that actually have to deal with the issue that we have, you know? And so like, while 
that sucks that we have to do that right now. And I'm hoping to fix it. Like that is a hack that I have had discovered like 20 years in business at this point. Um, so that's kind of the thing uh, with, with, uh, with that. Oh yeah. And then the other one too, about uh, going to the conventions where um, you're in, you're in uh, witness this, uh, you know, she's walking around with Ben and with his boss and um, uh, they're going to different booths and, and everybody's just talking to him and his boss and they're not even acknowledging that. Even <laughs> acknowledge her. Like I used, she used to tell me this and I would just laugh. I'd be like, no, it's not the case. Like you're smart. We will have a customer come in. She will help the customer and the customer will have a question and, you know, or an issue. I'll give a good example. We had a guy come in to get embroidered his name and he wanted it really small in a script text. When she wrote the order, she told him it's way too small. It's not going to come out. He argued with her. She said, okay, as long as you approve it, that's fine. So when he picks up the shirts, he opens them up and he's like, I can't even read this. You know, he's like, what this, what's doing? So she's, he's kind of getting a little pissy with her. So I go out there and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, what's going on? And he goes, Hey, look, da, 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 da. and I said, well, let me explain it to you. You know, the font you chose doesn't lend itself to a, to a small, you know, uh, height and, and, you know, you need to be a little bit bigger or choose a different script font. He goes, Oh yeah, that makes sense. All right. Next time I'll come in and I'll do it. And she looked at me. She was like, I just said that I said it to him when he placed the order. I just said it to him 52 times. And he's upset and you come out and you do your little smile thing with your beard and your muscles and he's good to go. We're all good. So yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it is, it is in the screen printing business for sure. It is, you know, very testosterone driven. So when we were at yeah. that convention, we went to a convention down in Long Beach not too long ago and that Angie was there and literally we were walking around and nobody would even look at her, look at, um, Mar Marlene's her name. I'll just say her name. I don't know if she wants to be on the podcast, but uh, Marlene, give out, her, give out her home address and maybe a social security. Yeah, name. she lives at. <laughs> Not gonna. Here's her social security number. What kind of car does she drive? She actually <laughs> drives a pretty cool Jeep. But uh, um, what color? Yeah. <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, like we'd be standing there, and her and I are going up, like we're feeling garments, we're looking at machines, and people will come over and talk to me, and and then she's just like you know, Mrs. Humble behind me. It was like, it was so weird. Like, I was like, Oh, this is what you're talking about. Yeah. I get it. You know, as, yeah, as much as, as much as I am a, a, uh, single or not single, but a straight white male, I don't want to admit that it happens. It does. It really does. Yeah. I've seen. And like, it's crazy. Cause like, and, and to the point where you know, for women, and I talk to a lot of women, like we kind of forgot about sexism for the last two years. We haven't been out in public and had to deal with it. And like walking on the floor of that one convention center specifically, because by the way, and let me take this back to like, I used to have, like when I first started going to conventions, nobody would talk to me and I didn't understand what was going on. And I started trying to dress up like, okay, maybe it's just because I'm young. And then finally somebody, like one of the women put me aside and they're like, because they think you're a booth girl or they think you're someone's wife that just came with them on the trip. And I'm like, son of a bitch, that's exactly what this is. Um, so I started actually just like taking male employees. I didn't care how long they worked for me. I took my brother, like I'd taken friends to conventions just so I can get people that would come up and talk to me. And I could, I'd kind of forgotten about this. When I got on the floor of that convention that we both went to in Long Beach, the very first booth I went to, there was five dudes standing there. It's the first convention our industry has had in two years. Someone walks up to their booth first thing in the morning. None of them came up to talk to me. 
Yeah. You know, and like I was like, oh, sexism! I forgot about this. You know, and like as soon as I saw Marlene, I was just like, oh yeah, let's talk about how it's gonna be for you at Boots. And she's like, yeah, you know, and like people are everybody shaking your hands and not her hands, and you know, it's a whole thing and it sucks. And I, I, I you know, since then I've I've had quite a few conversations with all of the trade industries and tried to you know do some course correction on this. And there's some people. Um, that I think are going to be making some uh, changes, uh, you know, as far as exhibiting goes uh, with uh, some of these conventions. But and it's a shame because, like, if you go to all the education uh, classes right now, it's, all, it's mostly women in these education classes at these conventions. And I think it's that way when it comes to a lot of different industries. Well, you, you guys know, need to learn about you need you need to learn about how to prevent sexism. Males don't need to be there. Why would we go to? You're well, and see, and that's one of the points I made too. Was like they had they had the CEI training, like diversity, inclusion, and involvement, or whatever DI stands for. They had the CEI training. I went and attended it, and I turned around and I'm like, oh my god, everyone here is a woman or a person of color. Like we're not the ones that need to be taking these classes. Like I mean, I think everyone should take them, honestly, because I think it's just good information for everybody to have. But like this isn't this isn't who needs to be taking this stuff, you know. Uh, and, and it's and it's sometimes it's as simple as like you don't go and greet the girl that looks like she's really young and you know she doesn't know what she's doing but you know she might have forty thousand dollars in her pocket she's been on a DTT machine hello that's happened to me multiple times you know like it's it's, it's the microaggressions it's it's all of that stuff where it's just like if you even understood like first of all with women like seven, I think it's seventy eight percent of purchasing and consuming and business comes from female decisions when it comes to like purchasing different things as far as equipment and goods, consumables. Um, like there's just all kinds of statistics that talk about how, you know, influential it is for you to, you know, be able to pay attention to, you know, the women in the room or, or any of the other minorities, you know, and it, it's just, it's just a shame and it, it is frustrating, but you know, it's just one of, it's just another one of those things. Well, let's talk about, okay. So we got you fired up. You got a little bit off your chest. Let's talk about the positive though. Like, how do you, okay. So you have this, you have this hill to climb, right? Yeah. But you succeed. So give some advice to a young woman or anybody that's starting a business. Give some advice real quick about how, how would you, how do you deal with that? How do you adapt, pivot, overcome? And you don't want to ignore, ignore is not the word I want to use, but how do you ignore that and drown out that noise and still succeed? Yeah. So, I mean, I think I do, I, I think I run, do, do it this, I behave in this industry the same way I behaved in the Marine Corps, right? Is that I learned very quickly that I have to be right. <laughs> like I have to know everything so I can be right all of the time. Um, and when I'm not right, or when something, you know, is a little bit awkward, you, I, I, I personally have used humor to get out of a lot of those situations or, you know, like when I'm having to put somebody in their place, I'm doing it in a funny way, um, to where like, it's not an awkward situation. Like that guy, I was like, yeah, women can be business owners now too. He came into my store two days later and he ended up purchasing some stuff, you know? So it's like, you've got to do it in a way. Like, it sucks to say it. Like, I was also, I think, I don't know if you know this. I was commander of a VFW post as well, right? I was commander of the largest VFW post in Nevada for a while. And uh, it, it's it's the same thing. Like, you don't get to that position as a woman unless you learn how to do it with some charm and some grace, right? Like, you have to learn how to talk your way out of those situations and how to prove 
how smart you are and, and how capable you are of fulfilling the job that you are being hired to do. And so it's like, well, that's the thing that you said about, uh, you know, Marlene gets frustrated because you come out and you're just like, yeah, I'm Ben and I fixed everything and everything's great. My employees feel the same way about me as well. You know, like anytime I walk out of my office, I'm walking out there and if I have to deal with the situation, I'm putting a little more bass in my voice and I'm using a bunch of terms like visual weight. And, you yeah. know, PMS codes and like if, if you sound knowledgeable and then, you know, like if you are knowledgeable, you can sound knowledgeable and then they think you're knowledgeable and then they start trusting the things that you're saying. So, I mean, there's ways to get around it, but it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of work. You know? Yeah. And there is an art. I mean, yeah, there is a little bit of um, an art to being the way you carry yourself. You know, both you and I are a little bit older than Marlene and have been through a lot of experiences that allow us to be in those situations remain calm and, and carry yourself in a way that people look at you like you're the leader. Right. But, right. but for Marlene, there is a little bit of the, like, you know, like, Oh, you're just this young girl. Like, Oh, but the guy with the beard and the tattoos, he just spoke. And that's the 10 commandments have come down off of the, you know, and she just goes, yeah. what the hell? I just told you the same thing, seven different ways, but I agree. No, there is a way to, you know, you have to carry yourself and there's something that, that's an art that you learn over time. And, you know, right. you, you have it different than your employees. You know, that when I, when I walk into your shop, I know who's in charge, but right. it's, you know, there's, there's a different persona, but yeah, you know. but you, you get it with experience. It's like Kiana, like, you know, Kiana at my store, like she started off and she was just like the most quiet mouse I had ever hired you know, and now she's like big old boss lady. And like, everybody listens to everything that Kiana says. My customers even listen to what Kiana says too. You know, it's about like the confidence and, and what you're saying to your customers and, and, and the knowledge that you have to back it up. And also, you know, that also customers have to trust in the fact that if something is wrong and it is your fault, you're going to correct it. And I think that's really important too, you yeah. know? I agree. That's interesting. That's a lot of stuff I did. I didn't really think much about, but I think, I think you're right. I think it's, I think people, no matter what, I mean, I, I'll tell you, I've been in some situations where I've, I've seen the reverse of that and I don't want to get on the high horse about that, but I think it is presenting yourself and carrying yourself goes a long way, you know? And I, I think, I think no matter what people are always going to have some kind of prejudice, but I think you can overcome it with having the knowledge and having the, the presence to show that you're in charge. And I think that's, I think that's hard for some people to do, but I think if you can learn it, I think it, it goes a long way to, to maybe get people to treat you the way they're, they should in the first place, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Right. Um, I agree with you, Brian. I, I, you know, I've had my eyes open to a lot of things, you know, again, I mean, as I've gotten older and calmed down a little bit, and I think Brian, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like, I, I think that we've learned, like I said earlier, like you and I will never be able to relate to being a woman in business. Why? Because we're not women in business. Angie, there's a million things that Angie can't relate to what we deal with. But I want to say though, that in my, my smarter, older years that I look at things like, I think it's so unfortunate that like, I get frustrated with the, like a woman that's a CEO gets paid less than a man. And, and part of me, like my, my pure American capitalistic brain, right. Wants to say, well, it, I want people to hire the person that's best for the job that fits their company, that buys into their morales and values and pay them 
what they deserve. And if they don't, if they choose not to hire the best person for that job, regardless of any, anything, color, race, religion, you know, gender, then their business should suffer because this is America. But it's not always like that. And it's not, it it can't be that way for whatever reason. And I wish it could be, I wish, because that's what America is about to me. To me, America is if if I don't like what you're saying, I shouldn't cancel you. I just don't buy your product. And that's how you suffer. If you're a racist and you own a restaurant and you don't hire XYZ, then I choose not to go to your restaurant. I don't need to cancel you. I don't need to burn your restaurant down. I just I make you suffer because you've made bad business decisions. And I wish it was that pure, but but it's not. It's not that pure. Um well- Two things, two things about what you just said. One, there was an article, I don't know when it came out, I just recently read it, but it was basically something happened where there was a, a male and a woman, a man and a woman that were working on a team together and they shared an inbox helping out customers. And um, everybody in the co- company kind of knew that the dude was better and more productive and more efficient and the woman was just a little bit slower, but she was still pretty good at her job, right? And then something happened to where accidentally because they had a shared mailbox um, somehow he just experienced a week of like having very like ridiculous customers and having to constantly prove everything that he was saying and like having to over explain things and then take things down and then calm customers down. And he didn't know what was happening until at the end of the week, he realized that somehow his signature and his email got messed up. So it was showing his female coworkers signature. And that week hers had gotten corrected to his name. So she had the best week ever. Everyone just listened to everything she said immediately. And she was able to plow through all of these accounts, you know, a lot faster than she normally would. And I think that's an important case study of showing like people look at women as they're underperformers um, because they're comparing them to men and they don't realize the same kind of shit that we have to go through, you know, just to prove that we can do the same job that we're probably more qualified than that guy is, you know, to do. Um, so that's, that's the number one thing I wanted to say about what you just said. The other thing about, um, you know, uh, the, the whole best person for that job thing, look, that's a misnomer because there's no job that's just a single job. It's about being part of a team, right? So it's just like everybody's complaining about this uh, Supreme Court justice stuff that's going on right now. And they're like, well, you know, we don't know why we want to make it a black woman. Well, I mean, it's kind of because like, it's not about who is the best judge in the United States of America. It's about what's going to complete this team of justices that we have so that it's, you know, uh, pulling from every different angle of America. And that's a specific represent, that's a specific demographic that has not been represented at all ever on the Supreme Court. And if you take that down, you trickle that down to business. It's the same thing with any other job or, you know, any other board or, or any of those circumstances. It's, it's about finding the right people to put together to create a team. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with the best person for a job thing, but for different reasons. <laughs> That's very interesting. That's that very well could be a topic for another show. I know we could we could talk about that for hours. Um, but since we've kept you long enough and we <laughs> we don't want to go, we don't want to spend another three hours talking about that, which I know we could, sure. which would be a very interesting conversation. Um before we close out though, I would like to, if you could um, because we've talked about a lot of stuff, we haven't really talked about your business specifically. Could you kind of give the listeners just a brief overview of, of what you guys do? Um, you talk about, you know, your stores and things like that. And if anyone out there is looking for some products, they definitely want to come to you. Tell us just what you offer and, and where they can find you. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, we specialize in the 20 minute t-shirt, right? If you need a t-shirt, you can come into the store. We can make it for you in about 20 minutes. Um, and we're, we have really quick turnaround. Um, we're really good at, uh, um, we're known as like an artwork hospital, right? So if you're really terrible artwork and you need to bring us artwork for us to fix it up and throw it on a t-shirt for you, we're really great at that. If you have an old concert t-shirt that, um, you know, was made 20 years ago, they're never going to make them again. I'm really good at replicating that artwork. That's very um, cool. We're really good at, yeah, finding solutions for like clothes clothing lines that are just starting up, you know, we can take them through and walk them through all the different options about decoration, um, you know, and, and start them off with small runs and help them build up their business to the point where they feel confident taking it to the next level. Um, and we're really good for, uh, you know, promoting your business. Like I've been running a small business for forever. You know, I'm really good at being able to help you out. Like, Hey, Hey, like if you're looking for this, we don't do that, but we can do this. And I think that's still going to fulfill your need. Um, so, uh, pretty much anything that, that any excuse you could possibly ever have for throwing some decoration on a, a mug or a t-shirt um you know even if you have really terrible artwork and, and you need it done really quickly this is customistic is the place to go <laughs> that sounds like it so you're one-stop shop so someone can bring you just a rough sketch and you'll turn it into something that's worthwhile yeah. that's awesome yeah every day we do it all the time that's very cool um ben always likes to ask and i'm going to take his thunder this time around but uh if there's one piece of advice i know we've kind of touched on it but one piece of advice you could give to someone that's looking to make a change in their life, what's, what's that one piece you would tell someone just to, that would get them on the right path? Invest in yourself, man. Like, what are you, like, everybody's wasting so, like, we have these phones in front of us all the time. They're always within our grasp. Like, use that phone to improve yourself and improve the life uh, for, you know, the, your coworkers and, and um, you know, just do some research into your profession, whatever it is, um, you know, and just kind of just go from there, you know, reinvest all of your, your, your equity into yourself and into your, your thing that you got going on. Um, it's as simple as that. I love it. Yeah. We've talked about that before. You've got the, the world's knowledge in the palm of your hand. And I think it's, it's a double-edged sword, you know, you can use it for good or you can use it for uh mindless prole feed like too many people do so i love hearing right. that so ben is there anything else you want to touch on before we close out but uh i know we've kept uh, angie here quite a while no i absolutely appreciate her coming on and she obviously has some great insight and some great advice i mean i was teasing her about writing down the answers but she's rattling that off and she means every word of it. It's, it's part of her DNA and how she conducts business. And I hope our listeners can listen and replay it back and take, take the advice she gave uh, on this episode. So. I totally agree. That's a perfect place to end. So Angie, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a real pleasure. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for the conversation. That was really fun. Yeah, no, we appreciate it. Thank you so much Um, for anyone out there looking for any kind of artwork customistic.com please check them out if you're in vegas go to their stores um i'm sure we'll have angie back again because it was a real pleasure angie's a marine which is more important than anything else we've talked about (laughs) your face ben yeah yeah (laughs) hoorah it's more guttural it's more of like oh oh i i can't yeah exactly you can't do it exactly i haven't chewed enough (laughs) grants all right on that note thanks everybody it was a real pleasure For Ben, this is Brian signing off for the Nothing Old Podcast, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.